Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You are listening to Faith FM and we are going to continue on with today's show by firstly giving you another clue for the quiz. Okay, here it is. It's a fill in the blank question. Oh, oh prepare yourself. You ready? Prepare yeah, yourself. yeah, here we go. Yeah. Fill in the blanks. Blank not that ye be not blank. Oh, Blair. <laughs> These are a tightrope. Like of words that we're trying to walk on right now. Can you give it give it to us again? I'll only subject you to it one more time. <laughs> Fill in the blanks. Blank not that you be not blank. Incredible. What if, are the words? If you know the answer to that one, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text. And you can send in your answers there and go into the draw to win Risen by Clifford Goldstein. Incredible book. Again, that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And uh yeah, you know, often with those those fill in the blanks. Oh, this is a very quoted text. People love quoting yeah, this text. Dude, all of a sudden the <laughs> the teeth get itchy and things that you don't want to come out of your mouth end up coming out of your mouth I, at least that's happened to me like a number of times yeah i've given away plenty of quizzes here on faith fm but hey you are listening to the breakfast show and uh yeah guys fantastic work you know we see many people sending in answers for the quiz got some text messages coming in the first one here is from david david writes in question does the battle of armageddon take place before the second coming or after david that is a fantastic question that is like An an amazing question, and in fact, we have a whole segment this afternoon that is dedicated to answering questions like this, and this question will probably be answered, so tune in then. I'm getting the nods from producer Charlotte. She's the boss, so 100% guys, tune in, and will David tune in as well, and that question will be answered. It's an incredibly interesting one as well. Does the Battle of Armageddon take place before or after the Second Coming? Just after the 5 o'clock news this afternoon. Yeah, after the 5 o'clock news, tune in then. Got another text message coming in from Stuart. He says, sounds like a conference um, on rising sea levels. So this conference sounds like a you know different one. Um, on rising sea levels where scientists who had contrary evidence to the politically correct view were excluded. So that's you know interesting. Obviously, sea levels rising is in regards to... Um, climate change now i think something to clarify what john asher was talking about so he was at one conference he was talking about one conference where a bunch of scientists and people of a faith background as well got together and talked about you know the these different opinions and worldviews and the evidence for a biblical model creation of you know creation and a scientific creation model um but then yeah they mentioned what was being presented at that conference was that at a different conference when the information had been shared that was like oh hey Hey, when we actually adjust carbon dating correctly, we find that these things are only a couple thousand years old. And those people at that that different conference who were from the University of Atlanta blacklisted. They were blacklisted. Their laboratory was defunded. This, and this happens all the time. Deleted. All the 100%, time. Yeah. Um, you know, we can like I have had a number of personal conversations with John Ashton about this, about you know research that he has done in the past that has been pub- his publisher has put out. And again, he's John Ashton's particular field is chemistry. He's one of the world's leading chemists. His name is on the wall at Newcastle Uni. He is still lecturing today in secular universities because he he is legit. But he's also a Christian and wrote multiple books about the scientific evidence for a creation model, and particularly in his background in his field of research, which is chemistry. And you know, he shared you know he shared with me before about um, you know. Publishing houses being 
blacklisted by scientific um, by scientific institutes because they publish his work, things like that, because it was pro a creation model. Which, again, a- as they said, I loved how he was describing like the, the the researcher from Iceland talking about this particular island that's there and how all these fossils got on the island and whatnot. And they're like, oh, so what must have happened is that an iceberg froze these pot of fossils that are you know have that are surrounded by rock in place and then drifted over to this other island and then deposited them there and that's how we can see them today and again that is unobservable it's it's just not it's just an unobservable in explanation that we don't see regularly happening in that area because we're not seeing i like in in that area of the arctic shelf you know there are Potentially icebergs drifting around, but not in that way. And so, again, they're subscribing to an unobservable version of events um, to explain you know, their background. So then, all of a sudden, it's an ideology. That's that's what we're looking at there. Stuart sent in another interview, uh, text message as well regarding the interview. He says, love the interview with John Ashton. There's no excuse for believing in evolution. Just our DNA complexity is randomly... Im- like, it, our DNA complexity coming together randomly is impossible. And that's, you know, completely what... Uh, John Ashton's book, Evolution Impossible, that's one of the biggest tenets. And again, his field of research as a chemist, he's like, when we observe the chemistry, it's just... It's just not possible. Yeah, I had a conversation with someone recently. I'm Blair, I'm sure, you know, you've had conversations with people as well who come from, you know, maybe a, a evolutionary, Absolutely. atheistic background and particularly working at a university last year at Newcastle University and being in that space, you know, I'd run into those people quite often and, and have interesting conversations with them. But the the latest person that I had a conversation with about this who had that background just as said, I will say as well, they were a little bit intoxicated. So, you know, they're, they're a bit raw with it, but they just asserted, they're like, you are a Christian and that makes you an idiot. Like, I can't believe that anyone can hold a worldview that's unobservable. See me, I'm an evolutionist, an atheist. I'm about the facts. And he's just asserting these points. And then, and then I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I have this friend, John Ashton. He's a world leading chemist on da 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 da. And he says, it's like, no, that's not true. That's just not true. Get lost. See you later. And he's like, he's saying, what you're saying is made up. And I'm like, okay, well, like, you can't even have a conversation here. And you see that despite claiming objectivity, despite claiming, you know, I have a worldview that comes from a place of observance. And by the way, I respect these people. Like, you know, they, they've done the research, they're experts in their fields and whatnot. But as soon as a sentence comes out of your mouth, like, it's like, oh, hey, this is, you know, and I'm not talking about a, like a, a, a Greg Hancock conspiracy. I don't think that's his name either. It's something Hancock, like a conspiracy theorist, someone who doesn't have a background or degree or anything. I'm talking about like, oh, world leading scientists, such and such and such said this. Totally. And it's like, oh, no, that is made up. No person in the scientific community would ever say something like that. And it's like, oh, man, okay, whatever. <laughs> Finally, Brett writes, and he says, in regards to the fossils in the rocks, it is just like Jesus said, if these keep silent, the rocks oh, will cry nice, out. Nice, nice. Wow, Brett, that is powerful. That's the good. rocks are crying out because essentially what we're seeing with fossils in the rocks is like, oh, these fossils are not very old. How are they inside of rocks if the interpretation is that for fossils to get in rocks, it takes millions of years. Now, I remember there was a famous story. I, I learned this in Year 8 Science, and this is actually when I was... Uh, Going back to the Year yeah, 8 dude, Science. I was not a Christian. I was attending a 
amazing Christian school. I want to shout out my old school, Hunter Christian School here in the Newcastle region. Uh, I was attending that school and, you know, they, because it's like curriculum, they were teaching about evolution and a kind of an evolutionary long earth theory, deep time theory of geology and whatnot. But then the the science teacher, I just really, you know, I'm stoked on him for this. He's like, oh, you know, as a Christian, I'm not necessarily subscribing to this. And then he started sharing all of the evidence that he knew that supported a biblical worldview of time. And he's like, yeah. So he showed us this story about how they found this rock and they carbon dated this rock. And they're like, this rock, you know, the scientific institutions at the time, they're like, this rock is millions of years. Oh, this is like one of the oldest rocks we've ever seen. Like this is this is really amazing. You know, they're, they're carving dating in and whatnot. And being a rock, they can't really x-ray the rock and see necessarily what's inside of it. And they're like, wow. Anyways, then they decide to dissect the rock. And they're like, they start, you know, really getting into it and they're cutting it open and whatnot. And inside the rock was a spark plug. <laughs> now this is a story that this rock and the dissection of the rock happened in the early 2000s and you know spark plugs have existed for you know maybe a hundred years before that but yeah like it's you know they found in these rocks is a spark plug and like oh whoops and, and then they're like oh but what about all the weathering and what about all this and what about all that and what we can ultimately see is that our world is so dynamic and this is one of the really important things is that like how deep time can come into the conversation of interpretation of you know what we have in our world is because of uniformitarianism or that view that oh yes like and it's actually the bible kind of gives some insight into that it says oh scoffers will come along and say everything is it says at the end of time scoffers will come along and say oh the world has been as it's always been since the beginning and essentially it's like oh you know everything's just gone along and see each one of these layers of ice represents one year and each one of these weathering marks uh, you know each centimeter represents you know represents a year and so after 10 centimeters that's 10 years after 100 centimeters that's whatever it may be i'm just making stuff up like you know just i don't know the exact method that they use but essentially, you're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. What we are seeing very clearly from the observable evidence is that that view of uniformitarianism, you know, of like, oh, everything just goes along as it was from the beginning, it just can't be true. We're observing it. We're like, oh, wait, oh, an ice storm just happened and it had like... 40 years onto those ice layers in one winter season. Like, yeah. Anyways, I could talk about this for ages. I, I love getting into this stuff. I'm not a scientist. Don't, you know, don't, I, I don't claim to be a scientist. I just have scientist friends and I like regurgitating what they say, <laughs> but also looking into it and, and whatnot. But how are you doing this morning? Fantastic. You good? You're kicking goals? Loving life. Wait, well, guess what? We're going to read the Bible. Let's do it. Let's pick it up. So we have been reading through the book of Ephesians. We are now getting to, we're going verse by verse, which I've been really appreciating. We're going to get to verse 11 and 12, but do you want to pick it up from verse 7? Absolutely. So God's word says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. It's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7? Correct. Amazing. Continue on. He has showered us kindness showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding Mm -hmm. god has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding christ a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure and this is the plan at the right time he will bring everything together under the authority of christ everything in heaven and on earth 
Mm, I love that. So we, uh, it's incredible. What verse did you read up there to there? You read to verse 10. Correct. Amazing. So we were going over yesterday, we were looking at how essentially the plan that God has given to save humanity through the death of Jesus Christ is, as my Bible puts it, you know, it says, you know, he made a bound toward us in all wisdom and prudence or all wisdom and knowledge. Like this is the best plan that God could conceive of. I was sitting with one, someone one time and, you know, sharing with them this plan. And they actually came from an atheistic mm. background. And they were like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would God go and die for it? Why couldn't he just forgive them? And again, you know, this person lacked the kind of insight as to what sin is and how it affects us and whatnot. And we continued to talk about it. But, you know, potentially you could be looking from the outside. It's like God had to come and die to save humanity. Why can't he, couldn't he just be strong enough to save them or whatever it may be? But it doesn't make sense. This is this is what the gospel, uh, the Bible says. The message of the cross is foolishness mm. to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God, mm. and that's because spiritual things are spiritually cons- discerned. Absolutely. So you need God's Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth, to convict you, and only through God's leading can you understand mm. this mysterious gospel. But it's not understand. It's not mysterious in that it's not understandable. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just um, mysterious in the sense that it's so amazing and beautiful and it doesn't make sense mm. rationally, but yet God has still expended himself for our sake. Yes, and but again, the rationale of it is something that is inherently unworldly, which again, as you That's said, right. when we observe the world... And we look around and we see, oh, it, and again, I, I kind of sympathize with people who, who have a, I sympathize with people who have a, a, a worldview of evolution, who have come to that point by listening to the scientific institutions and by observing the world outside of having, say, a framework of the Bible, because you look at a world that is competitive. Correct. You look at a world that is. Self-centered. Is self-centered, you know, dog-eat-dog, like, get to the top, whatnot. There, simultaneously. Put first, self-love, you know. There are all of these complementary systems that we see in our world that I think is an evidence of the you know the fingerprints of God, but on the other hand, we see a, a selfish world, and the reason we see that is because of the advent of sin. That's right, you know, and the way that it has affected and changed our world, and that's why God's not just like, oh, I'm not going to fix you. I'm going to burn that whole thing up. And like, this is why it doesn't it. make sense from worldly yeah. wisdom viewpoint. Um, it doesn't make sense to be so others centered. Exactly, but that other centeredness that God displays through His death or through Jesus' death on the cross. The reason why that is so important is because God is wanting to be completely and utterly transparent. You know, God winning the great controversy is for humanity to make a decision to follow him, right? Uh, with If God just forced us all to do it, it would not be a victory for God because it would actually be against his character. Uh, God is a God of love, and he wants to enable a loving relationship, a loving reciprocal relationship between humanity and himself. That will, That's what was broken because of sin. And so Jesus coming to die for us, giving his life on the cross for us, ultimately demonstrates like God is so overwhelmingly loving um, that, you know, his death is worth the forgiveness of the the sins that we have committed. Again, justice is being fulfilled through Jesus' death on the cross. God is also a God of justice, you know, a God of law and a God of order. And he's like, okay, I'm paying the penalty. I'm paying the price for sin through a death on the cross, which enables you you now to make a decision to choose me or not to choose me. Now, again, we've talked a little bit about predestination uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the weeks because it's in this passage where we, well, we see the phrase or the verb predestined. What we 
do not see in this passage is the noun predestination and the ideas that come with it, you know, either from uh, whether, whether it's Augustine who had one of the original views of a unilateral predestination or whether it is a Calvin who subscribed to a double predestination view, you know, God chooses who's saved and who's lost from the very foundation of time. So God has then created people to be lost and he created people to be saved, you know, that noun of predestination isn't in here, but rather predestined. And we looked at that as it, because it, its first usage is, uh, we see in the passage a little bit earlier in verse five, we essentially see that verse says, what is God predestined? You know, the offering of salvation to people, essentially. Not, not that, oh, these people will be saved and these people will be lost. And we know that quite clearly because the Bible says that God's desire is that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And if he predestines according to his will, then that if he, if God predestines according to his will, then uh, essentially then everyone would be saved. Well, that's right. And that, you know, that idea of God predestining everyone to be saved, he's, he's not willing that any should perish, mm. but how we respond is the key part of that. Yeah, because we have freedom of choice. Now, again, we find this language in 11 and 12, which is our focus today. Uh, If you can pick that up for us in verse 11 and verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 1. That's right, and I'm I'm reading here from the NLT. It Mm. says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Mm. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. Mm. I got to hear in the the New King James as well. It says, you know, sometimes I, I love to get the alternative, uh, you know, interpretations or the the in- alternative translations, like an NLT or a CEV or something like that. It's fantastic for the narrative parts of the Bible. But when we're looking at it here, I'm like, oh, maybe a word for word would be more useful. Uh, like a New King James, as the Bible says here, in him also we have attained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should also be to the praise of his glory. Now, in your Bible, you know, it doesn't use the word Jews in this passage, but I think it correctly interprets that it's like to we, you know, Paul speaking of himself being, you know, the the first, uh, again, the Abrahamic religion of, of Judaism or, you know, the, the nation of Israel who were the first to be given the ordinances of God, to be given the sanctuary, to be given um, this object lesson of salvation and the first to really come to a true, truer and, and, and I think um, adequate understanding of what salvation looks like. Definitely before Israel, people understood salvation and whatnot. But if you look at Israel in its time and, and particularly you know, post-Exodus and they're given the sanctuary and they're given these things, they are truly the people in the position that in the world that gr- have the greatest understanding of God's plan of salvation. And as it's saying here, it's like God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Again, how is God working all things? Is it that he has chosen and, you know, who is lost and who is not lost? And it's like, no, God has <laughs> made, again, as as we've been looking on so far, God, the best plan, the best option that God had was the death of Jesus Christ. And along the way, you know, there was the, up, up until that point, you know, the, the people who would bring that into the world would be the Jews. The promise is originally. That's right. They had a, they had a job to do, right? That's right. To, to shine the light of God to the other nations around them. The covenant came to Abraham. It's like, you know, that through you, the whole world will be blessed. And who would that be through? Would be through 
Jesus. Essentially, what the Bible is saying here is that the plan that God, you know, the way that God has worked throughout all eternity, up until this point, you know, throughout the history of redemption, despite, you know, the sin, despite everything going on, the way that God has worked has been exactly and according to, you know, the best possible plan that he could make. That's right. He's working all things together for his good, as Romans puts it. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we have come to the time where we are going to give you the final quiz for today. That's right. And the question is this. Where did a jailer find his faith. There's a jailer in the Bible. He found faith. Where was it? This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Like, like just by far. Well, oh man, I'm like so close to giving it away. Hey, look, 0491-064-669. I can't talk any more about it. We'll get into it a bit later when we give the answers. Again, that number 0491-064-669. Text in the right answer and you go into the draw at the end of the week. Well, just tomorrow for Clifford Goldstein's Risen. We'll give that one to you absolutely for free. You are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning and we are working through the book of Ephesians. That's right. We're studying the Bible. Absolutely. We're in verse 11 and verse 12. Do you want to read that for us again? Absolutely. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Mm, Awesome. So it has the word here, inheritance. We've been talking a little bit through this week about redemption. We've been talking about adoption, these kinds of things. But now we have this word inheritance, which most of us could define as, you know, something that you might be looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, of course, maybe the tragedy that surrounds inheritance with, you know, maybe loved ones passing away, whatever it may be. Well, that's <laughs> right. I, I um, yeah, I just last year lost my dad and we've mm. just, we're having, um, uh, we, we, we're about to be the recipients of an inheritance. Mm. Uh, it's taken a year for them to, um, there's like a whole process, right? Yeah. Grant of probate and all this sort of thing. But me and my brothers and sisters just last yesterday heard the news that we're going to receive uh, some funds as an inheritance. Mm. So it's it's nice, but at the same time, it's bittersweet, isn't it's it? It's a silver lining yeah. on a dark cloud that is sin and death. But and- fortunately, um, fortunately, within a biblical sense, it's only good news. Yes. <laughs> well, it's interesting too because this inheritance is also enabled by... Death. A death, that's correct. That's right. We only yeah. receive an inheritance because yeah. of this death. And the Bible uses this language, you know, particularly in the book of Hebrews, you know, the the language of testament, you know, that idea of last will and testament yeah. and, you know, receiving the benefits of the testament as a result of Christ's death. We're seeing here the receiving mm. the benefits of Christ's death through inheritance. It's interesting as well, like just to con- continue that comparison between the spiritual Mm. Um, inheritance and the earthly you know the earthly ones are tempered with pain but also the earthly ones can often cause problems and difficulties when inheritances Mm. come in and divide families or you know all sorts of issues Um, but in contrast the heavenly inheritance uh, is only good news as well although I suppose you could make the argument that um, you know when Jesus comes to earth he says I've not come to bring peace but a sword he recognizes Mm. you know that the truth divides even families at times. Yeah. Um, so I suppose there's 
Yeah. I mean, there's so many parallels we could go down, isn't there? But again, like that division is over choice Correct. and over truth. And one party, unfortunately, one party is not the beneficiary, but the other party is. But the difference is, is because inheritance, the, the squabbles that it causes over people wanting the inheritance That's right. of others. Uh, That's right, greed. So, like, you know, my <laughs> both of my grandparents on my father's side have passed away, and they had 10 kids. And 10 kids, uh, you know, it was... That's a small division. There were squabbles. Definitely there were squabbles, and, and there was particular issues, and, you know, not that my parents on my dad's side had very much, but, again, it was over wanting things. Whereas it seems like, pe- like the, the opposite... Problem is take people who have a problem with inheritance is not over wanting too much, but over not wanting not wanting, enough. Not wanting it, yeah, totally. Which is which is very interesting. Again, as we were talking about evolution before, and we we're talking about observation, looking at our world, we live in a world that has, you know, adopted a model or a mode of selfishness to themselves. And as a result, uh, an inheritance of everything that could possibly be called a good that comes along with, you know, a, a clause of you know, self-sacrifice and a choosing to follow Jesus, you know, people will give up so much for that, for, you know, for the opportunity to not be selfish, people won't take it um, because, yeah, they would, they would rather not receive the inheritance for the, you know, for being able to be personally self-centered. But, hey, this is the human condition. This is what we're all facing. Mm -hmm. But let's have a look more at this inheritance. Let's pick it up into a few of these verses in this initial passage to talk about it. If you can get verse 14 for us as well. Yeah, I might might lead in with 13 as well. It says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Mm -hmm. Um, This is obviously what makes up that inheritance. Mm -hmm. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance... Mm. until the redemption of the purchased possession mm. to the praise of his glory. So you see that that reference there to the purchased possession is linked in with the text yeah. before. We're going to be picking this up more in depth tomorrow, bless. I don't give too much of it away, but <laughs> again, we see that idea of inheritance. And then I believe it's in verse 18 as well, where you've got inheritance language there. It says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what reaches of his glory. Um, of his inheritance in the saints, or yeah, in, in the saints, in his saints. Now, essentially, what we're seeing here is that you know, there is this inheritance to come to those who accept him. But if you think about it again, historically, and again, we have that first mention of inheritance in that verse where it talks about, you know, to those who first understood, you know, his, his calling. Um, yeah, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. Again, talking about the Israelites here, talking about the history of the Israelites, talking about, you know, how they're given the sanctuary. From the moment they're giving the sanctuary and they're giving, like, some understanding or conception, or even after the Exodus narrative, that idea that God would save them and then give them an inheritance of a holy land, then looking forward to a land that was to come, they have this this understanding of inheritance that God has been working throughout Again, all time. It's like, oh, it's eventually coming. It's eventually coming. Eventually, we are going to receive our inheritance that we are owed as the Israelite nation. Now, the Israelite nation, um, during their time, they you know promised the holy land of Israel and, and whatnot. And I, I'm definitely not a, a Zionist at the, you know, when it comes to end time politics and whatnot. I just do not want to go down that route whatsoever. Uh, and I don't think it's healthy and I don't think it's biblical either. Um, but it's like, yes, for we who 
I, I love this, how Paul says this, for we have first trusted in Christ. Because what he's getting at here is what is Christ offering to not only the Jews but to the rest of the world, but specifically to the Jews. It's like, yes, God gave them a land that they could dwell on, you know, where they could be a light of the world. But what Christ is offering through his death is an inheritance of salvation from, you know, this world. He's offering them an inheritance of eternal life. And that was why they were given the land and they were given this object lesson of the sanctuary and whatnot to point them to the true inheritance. And I love that now, you know, for those who Christ has purchased, and the big question is, who has Christ purchased? And the answer is, well, through his death, through his blood, he has purchased all people. Amen. And what is the inheritance they like? So to the, those who he's purchased, you know, who are they that are going to receive this inheritance? Well, all people. Now, again, we are tomorrow going to get into verse 13 and 14 where it says that, well, those who receive the inheritance, those who receive the promise are those sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be talking about that tomorrow. But what we can know, what we can praise God about is again through all of time beginning with adam and eve and the promise there beginning with you know furthermore talking you know to abraham moses the israelite nation and then all the way up until jesus death on the cross and the gentiles that came after it including us the inheritance that is given is for all people he's given that promise to everyone yes it is you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different and we've come to a time where we've got no more questions, just answers. Give them to us, Blair. All right, here we go. The first question was, who commanded the sun and the moon to stay still? And the answer to that, of course, is Joshua. Mm. Joshua commanded the sun and the moon to stand still um, when he was pr- he prayed and the whole, yeah, it was, it was quite an actually spectacular story. Mm. Um, the second question we asked was, is Horeb the name of a town or a mountain. Mm. And the answer to that is it's not a town. So it is a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Mount Horeb. And yeah, I'd like to climb it one day. It's a great yeah, mountain. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, the third question, Palti and Gadiel were A, sons of King David, B, wives of King David, C, two of the ten spies that searched out Canaan, or D, Philistine kings. Mm. And the answer to that was C, they were two of the ten spies that searched out Canaan. Quickly, I was briefly mentioning... You almost gave it away. I I did want to get into it because... Like, essentially, that name, Gadiel, particularly, just the fact that it's got L on the end, which is a very, very popular Hebrew convention when it comes to naming people, like a linguistic convention. Like, I would, straight away, I'd go, okay, no, they're not Philistine kings. Like, they're, you know, they're not, they're none, they're none of those. Uh, But, yeah, then you had to work out whether they're, you know, men or women or whatever it may be. But, yeah, it was two two of the spies, two of the ten spies. That's right. So, that was number C there. The fourth question, we had the fill in the blank one. This was a fun one. Fill in the blanks. Blank not that you be not blank. Yes. And the text was found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, mm. and perhaps one of the most quoted passages yeah. in all of Scripture. Um, particularly by non-Christians. Particularly by people who've never read the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, judge not that ye be not judged. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, very, very interesting and fascinating passage. In fact, many people use it to say, you should never judge. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the Bible passage, it's actually talking about how to judge, not whether or not to judge. Mm-hmm. Um, not to judge hypocritically, but to judge with righteous judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, all of that is missed, of course, with a superficial reading. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, great. If you got the answer to that, that one was a fun little one. And the last question, where did a jailer find his faith? And we were looking for the location of where this took place. And it was one of your favorite Bible stories, Lawson. Yeah, absolutely. So you you can give us the answer. Acts chapter 16, we've got the story there of the jailer in Philippi. So beautiful story. Paul receives a vision. Hey, come to Macedonia. You know, there's a man in Philippi. You know, we need your help. Well, it's a man calling out in his dream. We need your help. And it's a really beautiful story. It's actually the instance in which the gospel cross over into Europe. And, you know, up until this point, Christianity, which is a sect of Judaism, very much viewed by most of the world, is a, a Middle Eastern religion. But all of a sudden, Christianity crosses the, crosses the sea there, you know, over the Aegean, and they're in Philippi sharing the gospel and it spread throughout all Europe and became, you know, the the European religion, um, pretty much until this day. I know secularism has taken over, taken quite a hold in Europe. But, Absolutely, but uh, yeah, very much influenced the history that we see there. We had a text coming in from Wayne. He says, in regards to the Philippian jailer, um, you know, finding his faith in the love of one another. Paul never left him after the earthquake. He stayed, um, kind of an agape love. You die, we die. Um, the same love Moses had for the Israelites in Exodus thirty-two, thirty-two. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, um, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Love one another as yourself. Wow, that's beautiful, Garpe love. Great yeah. great context. Absolutely. There. And I love that moment in the story. You know, all of the, the doors of the jail have been opened by an earthquake. The jailer wakes up. He thinks everyone's escaped and he takes the sword. He draws his sword to take his own life because he's like, oh, this insurmountable challenge. I'm going to get killed here by my higher-ups. And uh, Paul calls out and he says, harm not yourself. We are all here. And he runs in. He falls down at their feet and he says, oh, man, my only option is he asks them, what must I do to be saved? beautiful story there amazing we had another text message coming in from karen as well she says with evolution if apes evolved into humans then where would then there wouldn't be apes today unless half decided that that could be a bad idea you know that's one of the kind of obvious point i was <laughs> Mic like drop. it's like oh if all the missing links are dead because totally. we took over then why why do we why still, have still the, <laughs> why are we still here You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We are hoping you have a fantastic day, growing closer to Jesus, um, opening up His Word, praying, whatever. You might have to go to work today. There's plenty of things you could possibly and potentially do, but we are hoping and praying that you will just get to know Jesus better. And we are also really hoping that you talk faith, that you live faith, you act faith, and that you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.